This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Sequest DSV, Season 1, Episode 0. I'm warning you, if you don't surrender right now, I'm going to use every resource on this boat to bring you down, and I'll succeed. Oh, we found your virus. It's over. You want to kill me, don't you? The warrior in you want to taste a little blood? Isn't that funny? I kill for power. You kill for peace. We're just different sides of the same coin. Each heroes to our own causes. Well, let's see who gets the parade. Welcome to Continuum Drag. The podcast, no suit, skin. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? You know what? I like when you do things like that because it always t- takes me a second to realize what you're doing. And I was like, oh, is, is Luke being funny? I'm like, ah, he's a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm a dolphin. Do you know that's a robotic dolphin in every single scene? I looked that up, too. I, I also had thought it was a real dolphin, but it's actually just a robotic dolphin. looks great. It's a stupendously good uh, model of a dolphin. It's honestly, it's it's unbelievably good. Honestly, I felt so much better after I realized it was a robot because I felt so bad that they used a real dolphin. I'm like, no, it's just a really good robot dolphin. But I would have never known. I would have never known just looking at it. I thought the same thing because there's a scene later on in the episode we're going to talk about where they sort of strap like a, essentially like an oxygen tank type thing onto the onto the dolphin. I was like, oh, that poor thing. And then later I'm like, hey, it's a robot. It doesn't have feelings. It doesn't have sentience. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to. It doesn't care. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're starting off our best of speed run of Sequest DSV this week. Um, so as you can tell, we're going to be talking a lot about a robot dolphin. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Luke, do you think the show has the best logo slash font we've ever seen? Um, I mean... I don't think so, but I guess you do. Oh, come on. It's got C and then the word quest. <laughs> the quest, the Q is like uh, the tail of the Q. I guess you call it that. Is uh, is like a shape like a, uh, what do you like, a manta ray? Right, right. Isn't, like isn't a, it, doesn't it like hammerhead shark swim into the logo and become part of the logo or something? It's a, Or you like a hammerhead shark. Anyways, I was like, what a great logo. <laughs> and then I wondered, is this our best logo? But I, I mean, I can't think of another one. I mean... I, I mean, it's a very evocative one. Certainly, I think it stands out. Yeah, it stands out. Anyway, maybe I'm too excited about the logo. Before we get into it, let's do a little housekeeping in case uh, people aren't familiar with us doing these speed runs of uh, the best ofs. Mm. So what we're going to be doing here for Sequest is we're not going to watch the whole thing. It's just too many episodes. It would take us years, years to get through it. Well, it wouldn't take years, but it's more time than we want to spend on Sequest. <laughs> so what we're going to be doing is watching the pilot, the series finale, and the top three episodes of each season. Yeah. Now, how did we determine the top three episodes of each season? Terrible question, but I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, we took uh, I took a lot of best of lists we found online. Uh, we looked around the web for them. We went on Reddit and saw what people were commenting on Reddit for the best episodes, social media. And then we took listener suggestions as to their favorite episodes. We sort of compiled that all into the continued red computer and uh, had it spit out kind of what seemed to be, by general consensus, to be the top three episodes of each season. Um, and in the rare case, there was a tie Jordan just picked. <laughs> and I'd be like, mm, I like seven over nine. <laughs> you like seven of nine. 
Yeah, that was all right. You know what's funny? Uh, looking back at Seven of Nine, she was a little bit of an insulting character to add to Voyager, wasn't she? I mean, she was definitely a retool, but Jerry Ryan brought way more than uh, anyone deserved to bring to that character. I would agree. I just being, it was one of those things where now looking back as an adult, I was like, it was one of those like, hey, I know what you nerds like. Here you go. Here's a woman in a skin tight outfit, nerds. That's what it seems like now. At the time, I was like, cool. I mean, I think that was clearly the purpose of it. But, you know, I think Jerry Ryan elevated that character. Voyager becomes better with her. Good for her. And we'll, and we'll see if that becomes a thing on Sequest, if they just start adding sexy characters. By the way, they will. <laughs> oh, spoiler. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's already pretty sexy with uh, what's-his-name from Jaws. Oh, uh, Roy Scheider? Yeah, I know. He's too elderly to be on this show, right? Well, it's funny because uh, Roy Scheider, I, I love him. He's a great actor. And I was thinking of all the movies he's been in, like the 7-Ups Seven Up, uh, and Jaws and Marathon Man and Sorcerer, all that jazz. And I was like, look at all those great movies. Then I realized those were all from about 1970 to about 1980. And then after that, I was like, I wonder what he did. And I looked at his... Uh, uh, filmography and I was like ooh those were a slim pick in years for him so I think this was like a little bit of Spielberg being like hey I know the guy and him being like I guess I'll do a TV show you know but yes he is um, considerably older than you remember him <laughs> and, and but like he, he, he still went another 20 years before he died and one last piece of housekeeping here uh, if you're not a regular listener we have a mechanism with which we can uh, escape a show an escape pod if you will before the end of our our viewing uh, routine and that is if the series average for the show drops below five um, after sort of we do three podcast episodes of this we can then take the escape pod abandon the show entirely we don't have to watch the whole thing if it's too terrible to stand mm-hmm. right but jordan now that we've jumped all over the place, why don't we actually get into old uh, Star Sequest DSV? Because uh, it premiered on NBC in 1993, and uh, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you must have watched it when it was on. I didn't, and uh, I remember it being on, and I remember old uh, uh, Jonathan Brandis being like a real heartthrob on magazines. And I was like, what would I have been watching at this time? And you know what I realized? I was watching the show that was directly opposite this, which was The, uh, the Adventures of... Uh, uh, Superman and Lois. What was that show called? Lois and Superman? Lois and Clark? Lois and Clark. Maybe that one. Anyways, that was the show I was watching. That was opposite this. Oh, that's very funny. I remember very specifically watching this show. This was like, I was sucked up in the media hype around it. I'm sure there was a huge campaign for it. This was, you know, clearly a big show that dropped a lot of money into trying mm-hmm. to get that Star Trek audience. And I was I was the prime candidate for that. So I was watching this, not Lois and Clark, apparently. Mm. And and on that note about the budget, this show looks really good. Uh, I would say uh, like the production value is really high, and the special effects have held up really well. Like we've mentioned, the uh, the dolphin is one thing, but even the I think it's like early CGI, it all looks pretty good. Hmm. I wouldn't call it that, but uh, fair enough. <laughs> you don't think so? You didn't think it looked pretty good? I did, I did not think so, but uh, they're trying. Oh, I thought, but like. I mean, I think for the time period, I think it's held up pretty well compared to some things you'd see at the time. Like, is it is it seamless? No. But, I mean, go watch one of the Jurassic Park sequels. It looks worse than this. <laughs> well, Jordan, you mentioned it earlier, but Steven Spielberg executive produced this series. And this is the second series that he's executive produced that we've watched. Can you can you think of what the other one might have been? The other Spielberg uh, project? Oh, did was he, a, was he an executive producer on that one where they get stuck on the planet? Earth 2? Yeah, Earth 2? Strangely, no. That is an ambient entertainment uh, project, but he's not an EP on it. The other EP show we watched that he had created was Invasion America, the animated show. 
Oh, you know, it's funny. I forgot about that show and that he was involved. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a weird thing to have uh, EP'd, huh? This or Invasion of America? Invasion of America. What did they say? Yo, Yoke? What did they say? Yosh? Yosh. <laughs> well, that was an original idea him. by Steven Spielberg, that one. <laughs> it's because it's what he says when he walks into offices. Yosh. And they go, oh, give him another million. <laughs> But this series ran from September 12, 1993 to Jan to sorry to June 9th, 1996. Mm. And typically, Jordan, uh, part of this podcast is I'll, I'll tell you about what was happening in the world around the time this series was on the air. But especially recently, we've covered a lot of stuff in this kind of mid 90s area. Mm hmm. So I've decided I'm going to tell you what happened in the world when the series Sequest itself takes place. 2018. Oh, yeah, that's pretty wonderful. Yeah. Okay, what happened in the real 2018? So this is what was happening while Nathan Bridger was taking command of the Sequest DSV. <laughs> yeah. They were all tuning in to watch the Winter Olympics, which were held in uh, Pochang, South Korea that year. Mm-hmm. And they were also worrying that uh, Xi Jinping had made himself president of China for life. Yeah, how'd that go? I mean, he's currently still president of China yeah. for life. Yeah. So well, we don't know. He's still alive. You see, it went well for him. It worked out. Yeah, it's gone well for him. Let's all agree. Uh, NASA launched the TESS satellite, which is a transiting exoplanet survey satellite looking for um, exoplanets out in the world, uh, universe for, I guess, us to colonize one day. I don't know what it's for, but I guess that. Oh, I don't remember that one. I only ever pay attention when it's things that land on Mars and then roll over and they can't, you know, they can't use it anymore. You, as a human... You really only like fail videos. <laughs> I like I like NASA spilling a billion dollars and then going, oh, we forgot about rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was also the year the Sequest was probably sitting down. All those royal heads, just like everyone in your family, they're so excited to watch the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle wedding. Mm, yeah. And that, I mean, it went well for them, I guess. They made a lot of money. They got a Netflix deal, I think. There you go. They're producers. <laughs> You watched it, right? I'm sure you did. No, I didn't. I think my mom did, though. I assume you sat down with your mom with a big, big uh, pot of tea. <laughs> no, no, no. She watched it, but I didn't. They were also rushing to the box office to see the two big blockbusters that year, Black Panther and Solo, A Star Wars Story. Oh, yeah. Well, one of those uh, uh, Disney's pretending didn't happen. <laughs> they're fine they don't care they all happen they don't care yeah it doesn't matter i guess all disney also that year jordan greta thurnberg begins her climate activism mm. yeah because she was only like uh probably like what like 13 or something like that she's very young yeah quite young mm -hmm. and sequest was taking a special little trip up to canada <laughs> because it became the second country in the world to legalize cannabis yeah and everything's fine we've all we've all been okay you notice how you say that for every single thing I say? Is that right? I said everything's okay now? It all worked out. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything did work out. Everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's like there's just flames behind me. I'm like, everything's fine, everyone. And Jordan, because this is your favorite part of this uh, little segment, yeah. we're going to talk about whether you can guess the best picture and the host of that year's oh. Academy Awards, the 90th Academy Awards. I'm not going to remember because I I think I have checked out at this point. 2018. Jordan, when did you check out of life? I'm curious. I think it was like 1998. Yeah, it was around then. It was it was about late 90s. Uh, 2018. Best picture would have been um, 
I can't I can't even think. Oh, you know, was it Moonlight? It was not Moonlight. It was The Shape of Water. Oh, The Shape of Water. Yeah, yeah. She falls in love with Sea Boy. And what about the host? Oh, um, the host would have been. Uh, how many times has Chris Rock done it? No one punched him then. I don't remember. <laughs> I would say uh, uh, it was. Um, uh, they they brought they uh, dug up Johnny Carson and, and he did it. <laughs> it was Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. He was still doing it back then. Absolutely, he's done a lot of them. I think. Wow, good for him. I guess. All right, Jordan. Well, enough preamble. Should we get into Sequest? Yeah, let's do it. Here's the IMDb summary for season one, episode zero. To be or not to be. Captain Nathan Bridger is hauled out of retirement to command the new submarine Sequest under authority of the United Earth Oceans Organization. His ship goes up against pirate forces commanded by Marilyn Stark, a former Sequest captain who tried to instigate a war. And that was courtesy of Brian Bargenbrook. You know, that was that's actually pretty good. That's pretty much the the like a condensed version of uh, of the episode. So well done, uh what was it, Jimmy? Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job there, Brian. I like that your brain just clicks into the last name you heard before the name you just heard now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, how much did you love the world building? I feel like that was up your alley, the, all the world building of what's been happening in the, in the last 20 years of this uh, of this show. Honestly, I thought it was bad. I thought they did a bad did job. You? Is that right? I thought they didn't give enough information and the information they gave didn't make any sense yeah i didn't really think that i thought it was okay i thought they established what the world was i mean you didn't get a lot of details about how these organizations formed and stuff but i was like i don't know i thought they set set the ground fine like i was like i get it it's a world there's they've created a new like nato under or united nations under the water okay sure maybe bad isn't the right thing it just i thought it was a little weak i didn't think they landed it very well well, I'll say this. Uh, this is a uh, hour and a half episode, so it's two uh, two forty five minute episodes. The first episode really is just setup. So if you if you judged it just on that first episode, it's it's just building blocks. Like there's a lot of this is what the world is. Here's who the people are. Here's what the relationships are. Here's the geography of the ship. And then it's like, all right, now we're about you know we're ready to get going by the second episode. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we'll get into it obviously, but I would also say they don't establish any relationships either. <laughs> Do you? No, no. I think I think there's I think there's hints of stuff. I think maybe I think maybe I'm more forgiving than you are. <laughs> well, I like that it opens with a speech by JFK. Yeah, which is weird because it's like this is the future. We're we're still talking about Kennedy. Well, he's talking about how we're all from the ocean and our bodies are made up of salt, so it, you know it all makes sense. And of course, <laughs> you remember where this famous speech was from. I don't. You don't. No. You don't remember the 1967 America's Cup dinner in Australia. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah, that's where this is from. It's from him doing a speech before they did a sh- boat race. Oh, well, nineteen. It had to be nineteen, like fifty-seven. Oh, I wrote down sixty-seven. Well, Kennedy was dead by then, so. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I wrote down sixty-seven. <laughs> maybe, maybe in this world, Kennedy made it a few more years, and we still make his. <laughs> they deep faked this real well. <laughs> but I have to say, uh, the opening is like uh, you said. It's this Kennedy speech probably from 57 um and it's like shots of the ocean and like orcas and dolphins and it's just like really uh this great triumphant music to the opening it really if it's supposed to give you this feeling of like i guess like the possibility of the world sort of thing yeah and then camera sort of dives in the ocean gives you that great sequest logo you love yeah it was a good logo i like it did you see what the original title was going to be for the show yeah deep space i know you're gonna dive in and be like deep space but uh, deep space nine beat them to it so 
No, let me ask you though. Sequest, obviously, uh, like, is Sequest a good title for the show? It's better than Deep Space, I think. I think it's better than Deep Space, although I don't like the DSV. I think it doesn't add anything. Well, just to give you, it's the ship's name, so it's just like, yeah. that's what you're watching. Yeah, but I mean, it's called Star Trek, not uh, Star Trek USS Enterprise. Well, I guess they did call that show Enterprise. I'll take back what I said. <laughs> anyway, it starts off with a submarine chase in the Livingston Trench. Some, quote, reef runner has been prospecting <laughs> over territorial lines, and... Uh, these submarines are uh, basically chasing him, firing some torpedoes at him, trying to trying to stop him, I guess, because he broke a tr- an international treaty. But he's able to, like, sneak back into his underwater mining base before he gets hit. Yeah. Do you didn't love the reef runner? This seemed like, uh, for me, I was like, Luke must be loving these weird little, this weird little world building of, like, little names and stuff like that. Honestly, it, I don't know. It just felt incomplete to me. It just wasn't, there was, like... Hmm. Didn't make sense. I'm like, I don't understand what any of this means. Because, like, essentially what happens is he gets back to base, and the shubs that were chasing him because he crossed some sort of territorial line prospecting are now calling in, I believe they call them uh, warrior submarines. And essentially, like, a Bay of Pigs or style uh, international incident is building at this, like, border. And I believe they say that all of the... um, what do they call them? Hornets? Oh, the Hornets. But I was thinking about the all the economic confederations in this area are preparing to go to war over this crossing of a border. I believe they're, they're confeds is what they call them for short. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff like this. And I always just, I'm like, do I need to memorize all these different codes and stuff? I was like, eh, I think it will all make sense. <laughs> And uh, it's at this point that the news, like these people on this base, are like hearing that, like the news is happening live. Like this is all happening in about forty-five seconds that they're about to go to war over this. Like every nation on the planet, apparently. I, I would agree. I think what they're trying to do is is create this this idea that for future episodes, not only that there's this tension in the world, but that there's everything is high stakes under the water. However, you're right. It, it seems like everyone's maybe a little too trigger happy if like this one minor little incident is like the world's going to war. It's like okay, everyone, calm down. <laughs> and uh, it's at this moment that the sea quest arrives. It emerges out of Livingston Trench under the jurisdiction of Norpak, which I assume is the North American Pact. I think so. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. And, and did you see what uh, DSV stands for? Deep Sea Vehicle. It's Deep Submergence Vehicle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. I thought deep, yeah, deep sea vehicle sounds, I was what I thought, but it was submergence. I wouldn't have thought that was the S. Mm, well, I mean, that's why you got to look at those acronyms, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of becomes a standoff uh, with DSV, uh, the sea quest, if you will, holding the other ships at bay and not receiving orders from command and wondering what to do. And, and the captain of the sea quest, this, uh, Captain Marilyn Stark. It's not uh, mm-hmm. it's not our, our hero yet. It's this other woman. She's uh, gets the, she orders the plasma torpedoes and the thermonuclear warheads loaded into the uh, I guess torpedo bays just to, in preparation for what might be a war because um, she's she's tired of Norpak's weak need response to these other confeds alliances. She thinks the, she thinks they're too weak. Um, so when the order comes in to stand down, she disobeys it and. Uh, She's she's gonna bring about peace through force. She's gonna start a world war. So uh, this brings up a couple questions I have, and this is specifically to you. The, this uh, Captain Stark here, her name is uh, yeah Shelley Stark. I uh, know Marilyn. Marilyn Stark, excuse me. Shelley's the actress. Uh, Marilyn Stark. We don't get a lot of time to establish her. Uh, no big surprise. She's gonna come back later. She's gonna kind of be our villain for this episode. Do you think there was enough? I mean, I think I know what the answer is, but. 
Do you think there was enough to establish why she suddenly, she's gone through all these ranks to make captain of this military organization, and this is the point where she's, like, this is the straw that broke broke the camel's back for her, and then thus later on we see her as a villain. Does that make enough, like, if you get fired, is that enough to make you, like, like a Bond-esque villain? You know? Here's the thing, is all the villains on this episode are, like, bad James Bond villains. Like, they suck. <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree, but I didn't go further. Um, I actually think it's one of the weaker parts of the show because um, I think they 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 treat it like an afterthought, which is a bit of a shame. But they they're almost more like Steven Seagal bad guys. Like there's literally a guy who's just got a ponytail. So you're like, he's a bad guy, and there's like another person. They're like, he's got like a scar on his finger. He's a bad guy. You're like, okay, guys, like give a little bit of effort. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a problem with her character right at the top here. I like. I see what they're trying to set up, and it's 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 a messy setup. But they're they're just trying to yeah. show you that like there's a lot of tension under the sea. This sequest at this point in time, which we'll see later, changes, but is mostly just a warship enforcing uh, the law. And it's like it's basically just like the police of the sea, as run by North America. And she's just tired of not just like fighting. She's just like let's just get it over with. Like what are we? We all know we're going to war eventually. What are we waiting for? Let's just go. You know, right. fine. I mean, you know, we don't need a lot to know about our character to see, like, this is at least a setup for, like, the world they live in at this moment. Yeah. And really the whole point is that she's going to um, get in sort of, like, butt heads with her commander. Like, uh, a character we're going to learn is named Jonathan Ford. And he basically what happens is you can see right off the bat that they have two very different ways of dealing with conflict and sort of crisis management. And it ultimately uh becomes him relieving her of her duty because she sort of orders to fire without any um uh, really any instigating uh incident that sort of uh would justify this them firing yeah she disobeys orders to not fire she's like let's fire and he does a little mutiny just a little one yeah but but the point is he gets her off the bridge i think they call it the bridge of the ship i'm not sure and uh and then he relieves her of command and then we're like 13 months later we're like oh that was over. He stopped a world war, and 13 months later, we're catching up with uh, the Sequest. The United Earth's Oceans Organization, or UEO, it's retrofitting the Sequest to become a science and exploration vehicle, kind of leaving its war submarine uh, pat in the past, that sort of like role it had in the past. And it's being headed up by Admiral Noyce. Noyce! Yeah. Hi, I'm Admiral Noyce. <laughs> yeah. Played by Tom Paris's dad, Admiral Paris on Voyager. <laughs> He was also in Seinfeld as well. He's just one of those actors you'd recognize his face. And Admiral Noyce needs to find a new captain. <laughs> yeah. Um, he wants to find someone who will be seen politically as non-military. And this is kind of where it comes in that he's his old friend, the retired Captain Bridger. He, he's off in the Caribbean somewhere. But it's like he thinks he'd be the perfect choice. A man who can command, who knows the Navy, but doesn't really come off as like a strong military strong arm anymore. Yeah, and and we're gonna learn the person. Yeah, it's this Nathan Bridger, this guy who wants, and he and we're going to find that he, uh, he designed Sequest as well. So like he's like he'll know the ship, and he's a captain, and you know. But what are we gonna have to do to to bring him back? This, this the, but there's one thing that happens here. He's having this conversation. Noyce is having a conversation with uh, Ford, and he says at one point, "I'm gonna need you to help me convince him to become the captain." And he's like, "I'm gonna need you to appear as incompetent as possible." So that he thinks, like, uh, uh, he, like he he'll he'll feel he is has to become captain so that like disaster doesn't um, occur. But that's not really what happens. Yeah, this sort of plan they establish of just like 
Ford be incompetent so Neusel or so that Neusel get Bridger to take command. I don't know. Yeah, it never really comes back up. I mean, in some ways it comes back up, but it's only because of Ford's legitimate incompetence. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, again, what we're going to learn and not spoil is later, like, the seed where you think this is going to come back, it's like he actually just has, like, a bit of a maybe some sort of kind of panic attack or anxiety attack or something like that. And that's the moment where, where we're going to see Nathan become the captain. We know he's going to because he's the face you recognize. But it is weird they kept this in the show. We're like, you got to do this thing. And I'm like, okay, well, that's never going to come back. Why even leave this line in the show? Yeah, well, I mean, it just made you sit there waiting for it to happen, and it just never happened. Yeah, anyways. But yes, they're going to get Bridger, who, of course, is played by Roy Schneider. Yeah. Am I pronouncing that right? Scheider. Scheider, thank you. And he is he had, he'd quit the Navy because his son had died, also a Navy man. And I think that, that you know, clearly mm-hmm. we know that affected him, the death of his son in the Navy. But also recently he's been widowed as his wife has passed away as well. And he's been spending all his time in the Caribbean living in a high-tech beach hut, teaching a dolphin named Darwin how to do <laughs> sign language while he swims in the nude with a dolphin, I guess. Yeah, it's... It's a weird introduction to the character. I guess they're really trying to show that he is so far removed from his previous life. But then he's sort of not because he's still doing these sort of science experiments of the sea. But I guess they want to have him, I don't know, with a beard so he can shave. Well, it's kind of like, you know, he's not a military man anymore. He's now a man of science. Other than teaching a dolphin sign language and like training it to do like things is that is that all the science he's doing because he's got so many computers in his beach hut it is funny because uh when you see the beach hut i thought there was going to be more to it because they sort of arrive on the beach and he's hiding and then i was like oh it's going to be a something's going to happen here he's going to like do an attack or something but it's like no then he just like walks in he's like hey guys uh, i'm not nathan bridger and then it's just like wall-to-wall computers and i'm like oh okay well Clearly you are because you're this scientist guy living on the beach. And then he's like, anyways, I am Nathan. I was like, I don't understand what any of this is happening. Well, basically, it's it's a nice moment for us, the viewer, because Admiral Noyce, he comes to meet him. He's like going to convince him to take over the ship. And we get a, a whole bunch of world-building exposition here. This is what you were talking about earlier, is that at some point before 2018, the world started exploiting the resources of the ocean. And uh, nations around the world began teaming up into uh, these economic confederations, these confeds, to sort of protect their own sea borders, essentially. Mm -hmm. This led to farms and colonies being developed under the ocean, uh, sort of like a a parallel to space colonization, essentially. Though you have to wonder, just like, but why? Like, why would you need to live under the... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess it's it's that the resources have been... Uh, sort of mind to a point where they it's just like well there's one more thing to explore and exploit and it's under the water you, you I, I kind of like and again maybe I'm more forgiving I was just like all right sure we just need to, to be underwater that reasons that's why yeah I mean I think that's fair I mean all this is is just like how do we do Star Trek but I guess our thing is it's under the ocean yeah it's just like how do we go explore somewhere but it's under the ocean anyways uh resources so don't worry about it so much we're gonna get under the it's gonna be a cool ship you, you'll yeah, like it farms and colonies down there now <laughs> I mean we could do those on the surface too but they're under the water now. Yeah, it's, it's all just be like don't worry it's a cool ship you'll enjoy it remember him from Jaws come on the UEO was formed uh, to administer treaties and peacekeep. So you're right, sort of a NATO-y kind of organization. Yeah. And to help with that, UE, the UEO was gifted by Norpact and a variety of rich donors with the ship, the Sequest. 
The Sequest, yeah, that's right. And Captain Bridger, obviously you said, was one of the designers, um, but he had quit the Navy before it was built, so he hasn't really had a chance to see it. And this is kind of what initially entices him off to Pearl Harbor to see the refit of the Sequest. his first time seeing an idea he developed. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's like he he's like, no, I'm not going to become uh, a work on your ship, but he's like, but I will take a tour. And so then we cut to them giving a tour of the ship. I have to say this, and again, maybe I like this more than you did, Maybe a little bit clumsy, but I did like just at least getting a geography of the world we're going to be in on this ship, which is like, there's going to be this room and there's going to be this room. And you you at least get to see kind of how it's all connected. I mean, I did think it's funny. There's a giant room where there's just a pool in the middle where there's a dolphin. I did, It made me laugh. It was just, I'm like, yeah, keep going back to that room. Keep going back to the dolphin room. No, oh, trust me, they will. <laughs> Yeah, they will. Of course they will, because, because yeah, as you said, the main it, it character. It really is just a great way to start a tour. We get to see yeah. some of the CG of like the little mini-subs entering the porthole to the Sequest. You're going to see Sequest under the water. Uh, you know what? You're not entirely wrong. I think what works best about this CGI is that like because it's underwater, they're able to put like a murky filter over everything, yes. so you don't have to yeah. look too closely at it. It's just all too smooth. That's the problem of early 90s things. Like, everything is just too smooth and angular. And they at least try to cover that up with some of these, like, seawatery murky shots. Yeah, I would say the thing that I, at least I thought looked the worst was later on we're going to get, like, um, this type of, like, probe. And it's, like, controlled with your, like, hands. And uh, I, and it looks sort of like a robotic frog. I, was th- I thought that was the thing that looked the worst. I kind of forgave all these, like you're saying, this overly smooth stuff. Because I was like, eh, everything kind of looks like a fish under the water. Sure. <laughs> um, but let's do a little tour of the Sequest ourselves. Yeah. Um, we get to see there's, there's airlocks and cargo bays. That'll clearly be a set we'll return to. There are many, many hallways for walk and talk, so they can do something very similar to like Star Trek Next Generation, where they're just going to wander hallways with a little more of a submarine flair. Yeah, this is a little bit less like uh, warm lighting and carpeting and more, um, yeah, yeah, it looks more like a sub. There's like graded floors and sort of like iron barred walls and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a little bit more um, uh, industrial looking. The Sequest is, of course, quite large. It has its own version of a uh, turbo lift. It's called a Meglev train. And instead of going up and down, it goes left and right. I loved it. You know what it reminded me of? Remember that uh, um, that series of Roddenberry pilots we watched that had that, that little train thing that went across the world? Yes, of course. The uh, what, what was it? Earth 2 or Second Earth, yeah. or whatever it was called. That's right. And it was a similar sort of thing. I think it's really fun. I don't know how it's useful in the show at all other than just like something visually for like a different place for people to have conversations but i thought it was funny that the ship is so big they have to take this essentially train from one side to the other it's so big it's gigantic yeah uh they have a bridge which uh is quite large and open concept it actually kind of was like in my head it looks like a precursor to the battlestar galactica remake bridge very open Mm. lots of tables like obviously people in chairs but it just feels like a big military bridge did you notice the weird things? And I don't think they had them in every scene, but it seemed like on the bridge they had these sort of like cylindrical sort of um, screens people were looking on. They almost looked like big bubbles. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I didn't see that, but I, I can believe it. So it's sort of like a... Um, uh, like a dome. A dome. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe that's a submarine thing. Yeah, maybe it is. Anyways, I was like, that's kind of a different looking screen. I'm into it. 
Um, and the Sequest has three whiskers, WSKRS, <laughs> wireless knowledge retrieval, retrieval satellites. And they're essentially just little autonomous drones that are always floating around the ship. They kind of look interesting. Like whenever you see the exterior of the Sequest, there's always these like three bright lights like flying around. Mm -hmm. it. And I think they're supposed to just be drones. They just operate around the ship, just bringing information. It's their, their sensors, essentially. Yeah. And uh, the fact they call them whiskers made me laugh. I loved it. That's a point. Did you like that they were each had a name? Did they each have a name? Yeah. One was called Mother, one was called Junior, and one was called Loner. <laughs> I miss that. Very odd names. They also have a hyper-reality probe, which is uh, what you're describing earlier, the thing that looks like a frog. But it's essentially yeah. just a VR helmet and gloves that you, lets you like remote pilot a drone, which was very funny because it's not dissimilar to if you watch someone flying a drone these days. It's the exact same thing. You just like put on a headset and like you can just kind of see where your drone's flying. Yeah, and it's and I, you know they're gonna use it later, and it looks fun. It's just like uh, the one person who puts it on. It's the lieutenant commander. What was her name? Uh, Hitchcock, Lieutenant Commander Hitchcock. Uh, she sort of puts on these goggles, headset, and these like power gloves to to guide the thing. And I was like, sure, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was very prescient because I'm just like I see people do this all the time now on YouTube. Like this is just the like normal technology now. So you're saying they invented this technology? Is what you're saying? I am saying that. Yeah, good for them. They knew. They knew it was going to happen in 2018. Sequest saw it coming, but it was, they thought it would be under the water, but we all agreed <laughs> that underwater is stupid, so we don't go there. <laughs> Everything is under the water. They've also turned a missile prep room into a research area with these cool moon pools you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I don't exactly know how this would work for their research, but I guess they pull in parts of the ocean they're in, or it's just... an directly open part to the ocean i'm not sure yeah yeah but you need a lot of water you're under the water so you need more water on the set it's what it is is it's a way to have the dolphin character darwin always come in and have a conversation with them that's what it's for yeah yeah because the ship as by nathan's design is full of tubes of water in which a military trained dolphin can swim around the ship it was always designed to have a crew with a dolphin on it like this has always <laughs> apparently been part of the plan for sequest don't you love that? There's like a hint of, uh, and I think it's unintentional, but there's sort of a hint that Nathan's a little bit crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, they're like, so sorry, we're going to build this? He's like, yeah, there needs tubes for the dolphin. They're like, all right, sounds good to me. <laughs> and as you mentioned, Darwin is there. He's always going to be there. We knew that from the moment we watched the show because we, we yeah. remember that Darwin the dolphin's a big star of it. But we suddenly see Darwin is in this moon pool and, uh, you know... Bridger surprised to see him there, and Admiral Noyce was just like, yeah, yeah, we went ahead and kidnapped your dolphin for you and brought him on board. Yeah, so what it is, he's basically like, oh, you have a dolphin, like, as my specs, that you can have a dolphin. He's like, wait a minute, this is my dolphin. And I was like, wow, he, he recognized that real quick. I don't know if I would notice my dolphin. They all kind of look the same. <laughs> he didn't recognize him at first. I was actually surprised. I'm like, you don't recognize your own dolphin? Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was, but something tipped him off. It was maybe when he went swimming with him naked again. Well, what happened was, is uh, this uh, this dolphin, this Darwin who's been kidnapped and brought here, um, which also, where was he? Like, they just flew in. Like, was he on the plane they were on? They just He just didn't notice? I think Sequest, they, they had a quick little uh, diversion for Sequest, went over to where he was, got him into the boat, then drove it over. Why they couldn't have put Nathan on there, I don't know. All right, all right. It all makes sense to you. It all makes sense. The point is the dolphin's on board, Luke. But what we learn very quickly here is that uh, this dolphin can talk because Sequest has its own Wesley Crusher, a child <laughs> genius named Lucas Wallenjek. Yeah, and there's a couple things I'm going to mention. 
first, it's funny you say Wesley Crusher because this show, whether it was intentional or otherwise, I'm going to say it probably was intentional. There are real shades of Star Trek The Next Generation. If you kind of start comparing some characters, not all of them, but yes, he's a very much a Wesley type character. The Doctor, which we're going to meet, is very much a Beverly Crusher type character who's going to have this clearly they're setting up sort of sort of a will they won't they with the captain similar to Picard there there's very much like hey you guys like Star Trek right we're going to give you the same sort of thing don't worry about it but our Wesley's much cuter yes he's a real 90s heartthrob this Jonathan Brandis I'd forgotten about him until I saw him I'm like oh I remember this guy was all over those teen magazines yeah, and I'll say a couple things. Obviously, we don't need to dwell in it. Obviously, he didn't have a very happy end to his life, but uh, he's wearing a Florida Marlins jersey. And I don't know if you noticed this, Luke, but they're now the Miami Mar- Marlins, but then it was Florida. And he has on the back of it, it says World Series winners 2010. And I knew they had won the World Series. And I was like, did they predict it? Did they predict it? But they were off, unfortunately. They won in 97 and 2003. But... It probably was a crazy idea in in 1993. They're like, maybe by 2010 this team will win, but they won in 1997. So they didn't they have enough faith it. in the Marlins. The Marlins did it twice and much sooner. And much sooner, yeah. It was only a few years later. But anyways, uh, I did I did think that was funny when they have little uh, little bits like that. Well, Lucas Wallencheck, he's a nepo baby. <laughs> he is. That's true. <laughs> uh, his dad is paying for a large part of the sequest as a wealthy industrialist or whatever, just a rich guy apparently. And as part of his payment for sequest, this peacekeeping ship that's getting paid for by rich people from North America, he said, "Let my son live on sequest, please." Now, yeah, because he's he's also having like he's I don't know having some sort of rebellion or something, so he's acting out. So like we'll just put him on the ship. Now I'll say this. I'm a very different age than I was when this show aired. I don't know if my feelings would have been different, but I do find him to be the most annoying character on the show. But it's just, I think, because he's just that, like, anti a stinker teenager? And I'm like, I don't know, go get a job. Jordan, uh, name one time you saw a kid on a TV show that you weren't annoyed by. It's true. It's true. It's a hard character to do. And, uh, and I, I actually don't think he's bad at it. It's just that the character's sort of like that knowing wink of, like, Ain't I a stinker? And I'm like, eh, you're really annoying. <laughs> I mean, I think it's too hard. I think it's kids' characters are hard. I think they're even yeah. harder for you. I think, I, uh, yeah, it's just like, uh, look, look, he's got a great head of hair. He's a cute kid. Good on him. And his character basically is that it's more than he's a Nepo baby. Because, of course, Luke, as you know, with any any nepotism, if you actually have any talent, it doesn't matter because... It doesn't matter how you got to third base, right? So, so he's a genius, and he his main uh, claim to fame on this uh, ship, at least to this point, is that he has created a technology that allows uh, humans to speak to the dolphin, and thus also the dolphin to speak back through this series of kind of like uh, walkie-talkie headphone type things. Yeah, it's a very classic 90s trope. Uh, it reminded me very much of 90s movie Congo, where it's just like a weird robot voice is given to a, an animal. Yeah, Amy, go, go, Amy. Remember that? <laughs> this time it's uh, no suit, skin, no suit, skin. I, Luke, I don't know if you know this. This is You were so spot on this dolphin. Like, this is a talent I didn't know you had. You, it sounds exactly like him. It's so weird. Why is that the voice they gave the dolphin? Like, why is it so squeaky and annoying? <laughs> You want it to be like Sean Connery or something? I mean, you could have given the dolphin any voice, but the uh, that was the that was the choice you went through. I, I, I'm 
yes, I would agree because we're going to see a, a, another technology, which is dumb, but I think it's very fun, which is the waterfalls screen thing we're going to see later. Why that thing can can sound like anything you want and look any way you want, but this thing has to have this silly robotic voice. I'm not sure, but it's just because we want to be able to know that it's a dolphin speaking. That's why. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It was very funny. I was just sitting there being like, I mean, it sounds like a dolphin, I guess. It still has the like high-pitched tones of a dolphin, so maybe they were just trying to match those, but it just made me laugh. I'm just like, could have been anything. Could have been anything, and this is it, eh? You know what it should have had? Because it's speaking English, it should have some sort of dolphin accent. They should have come up with what, whatever the dolphin accent would have been speaking English. Yeah, that, that would have worked out just fine, right? <laughs> it's like somehow immediately offensive. I don't know how, but it just seems like it would be. It just would offend. <laughs> you just want it to be the Jar Jar Banks of Sequest. <laughs> you know what? It's not that far off. At any rate, this is how we're introduced to sort of the idea yeah. that on this ship, there's also going to be this amazing talking dolphin, which, let's be fair, it's kind of fun. Like, I think that yeah. was the whole pull of the original sequest is like, this dolphin's on it, it's going to be talking. And and I, as we said before, it looks great. Like, I think now that you know it's a robot, you'll kind of sense its movements and stuff. But like, this is, this makes like Jaws look like, like amateur hour. It is true. It is, it is the like... Almost the height of this show is that, like, once you realize there's robotic dolphins there, you're just like, this is the thing you should be remembered for, correctly so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At any rate, that's sort of the, that's sort of the tour of the ship we get. We get to see it all. And then uh, Captain Noyce uh, introduces uh, Bridger to that Commander Ford, who is going to be the executive officer on the ship. And um, he's just like... Uh, Ford, you finish the tour for me, okay? And uh, as soon as Captain Noyce or Admiral <laughs> Noyce walks away... He sends an order for the ship to leave port, and uh, Bridger is essentially shanghaied out to sea. Yeah, it's it is funny, and it's there's a there's a series of things that they kind of do in this show like this, where it's like they really want to establish that uh, Nathan wants to get back, and he doesn't want to be the captain. I almost feel like they pulled it a few too many beats. Like we as a viewer, we know he's going to be the captain, and we know this is sort of his uh, uh, the hurdle he needs to get over is his personal feelings he's gonna be captain but it's like they just seem to do it too many times at least for me which is like he's stuck out to sea get me back they're like then this thing happens he's like get me back then this thing happens like i'm not gonna be the captain and i'm like okay like you're just gonna be the captain let's just let's just get it going but yes now that he's stuck at sea because i can't turn around and go back immediately because the sequest i don't know is the length of like a city or something i have no idea yeah um He's like, all right, well, I'll stick around. I'll help with a few glitches. And let me go check out the berth you set up for me. And it's here they introduce another piece of Sequest technology, an AI hologram whose job it is to advise on moral or ethical conflicts. It was really weird, right? It's They want to have, I think, a mix of a holodeck also mixed with like Star Trek's computer. So I think they were like, what we'll do is our own thing. And I have to say, I think it's a cool idea of, because what you basically see is like a waterfall that falls from the ceiling in, yeah, it's like, sort of a, it's like, like you see it like a restaurant. mist or a uh, smoke coming down in like a, a screen, basically, and then a projection onto that mist. Yeah. And and there's like a older British gentleman is the is the program that uh, Lucas, old uh, uh, cutie boy, he uh, he came up with this project, so it's the the face he has, and I think he says, "You can make me look or sound like anything you want." But yes, I don't know exactly how they're going to use this. I think it's sort of for scenes where they want Nathan 
instead of so instead of him doing like a monologue, he has someone to talk to if he's coming to a decision by himself. I think that's how they're going to use it. But yes, they they were like for moral decisions. I'm like, eh, okay, insane use of an AI. Like it's just like Star Trek has a computer. What if we had one too? But it just listens to his problems and gives him like moral advice. I'm like, eh, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to trust Chat GPT with that, but okay. <laughs> But anyways, but later on, and I don't think this is spoiling anything, we see Nathan put in a picture of his wife. Because, again, we we mentioned his wife died. And near the end of the episode, he'll put a picture of her, and she gets, like, animated? But she doesn't really do anything, but it's using that same technology. I, am I led to believe that if he wanted, he could have his ex-wife, he could have, her, like, her image, like, be the person that he has conversations with? Yeah, they say specifically you can scan any photo you want into it to be the avatar. Yeah, I mean, that would be weird. It would be weird to have your, your dead loved one speak to you. No, then you don't ever have to let go and grieve. <laughs> no problems. I, I think, no problems. No, no, I, think, I think it's a little messed up. <laughs> but yeah, this is another piece of technology on the ship. At any rate, now that he's been trapped on the ship, he's out to sea, he's going around, and uh, he kind of, this is when we get a chance to sort of, for the most part, meet most of the crew. Some of them we've met. We've met the kid genius. We've met the executive officer, Ford. We've obviously met uh, Admiral Noyce, who I don't think is going to be a regular character, but it's clearly going to come up, come back occasionally, yeah. I would assume. But let's talk a little bit about the other people on the ship. Uh, you mentioned her earlier. There's Dr. Kristen Westphalen, um, yeah. very much the Beverly Crusher of the show. She's the head of science on the ship. And yeah. as soon as they meet, it's such a meet-cute. It's such an obvious, like, romantic foil for him. Um, mm-hmm. But clearly this no-nonsense scientist is going to fall head over heels for Captain Nathan Bridger. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just a, like... I'm a scientist and you can't tell me what to do military uh, and because uh, I do science and I, I thought I'll give the show credit with this I think they at least set up that they I believe want some sort of light tension between the military and the scientists that there's always kind of be these two groups that have to sort of work together through problems and I think they do an okay job setting that up and I think she's she's sort of the voice of that in this scene. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's a, I think that's a great read of it. Actually, it's a, one of the more interesting dynamics that uh, the show might have. Yeah, um, and uh, now if we're talking about other characters, I don't know what order you're going, but there's a character, and I don't know if I'm reading this wrong. There's a character called, which is the one who's like he's in charge of like like getting stuff and morale. That is Lieutenant Benjamin Krieg. He's the supply and morale officer. Yeah, and and now I, I'm happy to be wrong, but did you the the first thing you thought, and maybe it was the same as I thought. I was like, Quark? Are they doing a Quark character? Yeah, he's Quark. He's a hundred percent Quark. Okay. He's more annoying Quark. <laughs> well, it's only been an episode. We don't know. You always have to give people a little bit of credit and or a little bit of leeway on the on the pilot because things might change a little bit. So. He gets more scenes than probably any other secondary character does. I would say most secondary characters are lucky if their name is said. He at least gets a bit more characterization. And that's mostly because for Bridger, there's a connection there. Um, Krieg used to know Bridger's son. They went to the academy together. And um, so they are able to have a little bit of a nice conversation about how much uh, Bridger's son loved him. And like that uh, he was always talking about him to Krieg. Sort of give a little connection between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. But it is an odd sequence because, as you said, he's also a bit of a wheeler-dealer quirk. So the scene also starts off with Krieg complaining about not getting enough adult movie discs. So now he's going to have to share his personal collection of pornography with the crew? Yeah, I, I don't know if you can chalk this up to 
a joke of the time or just like a not great joke overall but i it didn't land like it was one of those things where i was like "Ooh, this could be a hard character a hard scene to come back from my friend yeah it was a bit weird and i mean they do call them adult movie discs so maybe they just meant like more adult films because they said they're getting too many family films but I, the, the tone of it was just like wink wink what you you mean you, <laughs> there's a there's a possible implication that these are just like prestige films they're a little yeah, harder. yeah. you really got to pay attention it's <laughs> like we got to get these oscar winners on or i have to share my copy of citizen kane with the crew <laughs> it's all the criterion collection he was looking for <laughs> and lieutenant krieg he has a connection to someone else on the ship. His ex-wife works there. Lieutenant Commander Catherine Hitchcock, the chief engineer. Yeah. And I have to say, I don't know this actress. As her name is uh, Stacy Hayduke. She has the most startling eyes ever. It's like, I was like, is she wearing contacts? I've never seen someone. She's got like Ray Liotta blue eyes. Remember you were talking about Marilyn Cotard's eyes as well the other day? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe i just i'm i'm, fa- I'm following in, <laughs> i'm falling in love with these characters perhaps you're a real eye man i'm a real eye man that's true but she does have lovely eyes i mean say what you will <laughs> she doesn't get much on the to do in the pilot when we introduced her she's a bit gruff with bridger because she doesn't know who she is and then she's apologetic we get to see her yeah. use the hyper reality probe a little bit but uh, other than being maybe a little bit of a hard ass you don't get much sense of her character at all I would agree. Yeah, I don't know who we don't really know much about her other than I think she's sort of like the straight laced follow rules kind of person. But she was fine. Like the actress was fine. The character was fine. There's just not a lot to to grab onto at this point. Yeah, there's a couple of guys on the bridge who I think are going to be regular characters. One of them is Ted Raimi, the, uh, the actor, which I was happy to see. I love seeing Ted Raimi and things. He's some sort of comms officer. He really gets very little to do other than, like, pass information along. And there also yeah. is a uh, the chief sonar operator, a character whose name I forget. I don't believe it's even said in this episode. But he appears to, like, just be their sensors officer. He pops up for a few minutes, too. But they're very negligible in the background. You're just kind of, like, taking up space on the bridge. Basically props in the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would say almost mostly um, Ted Raimi's character. He's like... It's just like, I think he might have like two lines of dialogue at this. And then there's the uh, military police on the ship. Chief Manilow Crocker, who's an old Navy pal of Bridger. So there's a little bit of back and forth where they make like some, you know, inside jokes between each other and like josh around a bit. But that's the most we get to see of him. Yeah, I think it's it's just really to have that. Uh, Nathan will have a bit of a, if not a confidant, someone that's on his side that, you know, again, they can have conversations and get the plot going in, in an amiable fashion. Yeah, yeah, another old guy on the ship, even though this guy's probably 20 years younger than uh, <laughs> Schneider. Schneider? Yeah. Schneider. Schneider. Anyway, we'll get back to the plot, because they, they're now out at sea. They're, we've done a tour. We've sort of met some of the characters, though, in passing mostly. And it's at this point uh, that Bridger's called to come to the bridge because they're receiving a communication about an underwater power station being attacked and requesting help. And... This is something we haven't talked about yet, Jordan, but in the background of this episode, in the cutaways when they leave the sequest, what we've been learning about is kind of the uh, the bad guys, the sort of what mm-hmm. the A-plot's going to be the episode, is that these full-on James Bond villains have been plotting. And uh, the main villain is a guy named George Lachen of Lachen Industries, who inexplicably has a French company but a German accent. <laughs> I, I just, he's just... We've seen we've seen a few shows like this where they have this these sort of like throwaway villains and stuff. He's so generic. It's like I don't even remember what his face looked like. 
And also, he comes, he's in this scene where we learn he's the bad guy. And at the very end of the episode, where obviously Nathan and co win, win the day, he, we go back to him and he's like, oh, drat. And I was like, who's that guy again? I'm like, oh, he was the bad guy. I only saw him one scene ago, 45 minutes ago. He reminds me of the bad guys in that TV pilot we saw for uh, Nick Fury. Just like generic, <laughs> yeah, weird right. Germans with ponytails. Yeah, it, it's, it's again, I would say it's, you may not feel uh, the same way. I think it's the weakest thing of the show is that they were just like, it's such an afterthought because they need this conflict. And it's like, you guys have taken an hour and a half of our time. You could give them a little bit of character. Uh, Lashen, he used to exploit the resources of the ocean for his, like, company. He, he got rich off of, I guess, going underwater and taking resources. But ever since the UEO started enforcing international treaties and borders or something, he's just been losing revenue because I don't understand exactly. He's bad, Luke. He's bad. He's That's back. He's bad. And he'll, and he'll do anything to get ahead. That's what you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to that end, he has hired Sequest's ex-captain, Marilyn Stark, to destroy the Sequest for some reason. Well, that, that's what I kind of uh, implied at the beginning of this, where we we sort of learned she's a little bit, maybe unhinged is not the word. She, she We learned she's, she's a little bit aggressive and she's maybe impulsive. I don't know if you could go that quickly or it's that many steps to get from there to I'm now a villain who's going to murder innocent people for reasons yeah it's unclear what like his issue is that the world governments have started like policing their oceans to like secure resources for themselves and he used to just like have free range to take them whenever he wanted as a private corporation and he's mad about that so blow up sequest i'm like i mean there's like seven steps between how that helps you and what's happening i don't under like and this is where my problem with the world building is, is like there's this ideas that are dropped in but then when you mm. drop them into the plot they're just like they don't like coalesce in any way shape or form well they do imply that sequest is sort of um like the be all and end all it's the biggest it's the most powerful it's the best ship out there and thus because of that it is the biggest policing force so i think there's some implication that if they get rid of it, they can kind of do what they want. I, I don't know if that justifies any sort of other behaviors, but I think that's what they're kind of getting at. I guess so, but we saw at the beginning that every country apparently has warrior subs that they'll fly in to, like, blow up any place that steals their subs. So, like, he has a billion pro. Like, it, it, Sequest isn't the thing that's hampering him. I don't know. It's it's bigger, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, uh, Marilyn Stark will be commanding a Delta Four pirate sub along with Lashen's son for no apparent reason. There's just like, here's my son. He's got a ponytail. It's like he's gonna stand next to you the whole the whole TV pilot. I'm like, uh, but why? No reason. It's funny you mention that because the only reason you would really want to do that is this son is very important to him. Uh, maybe he's not ready to command a ship, but he's trying to show his father he's as strong or as competent. The son gets killed. Thus, this bad guy now has a real reason to hate Nathan and the the Sequest crew. But it's just like, is he there? It's like, yeah, yeah he's, he's there. just there. <laughs> I know. It's it's weird why they do that. I don't know why. I think it's just like, he's got a ponytail. That's all you need to know. <laughs> but this is the message that Sequest is uh, hearing because this Delta Four pirate sub has just attacked this power base and uh, Sequest is being lured into an ambush, essentially. That's right. Yeah. And of course, as we've said, this goes on and on through the episode, but Bridger refuses to take command of the Sequest when uh, he's offered at this point, like, uh, Commander Ford's legitimately just like, listen, 
we're going to go into battle right now. You're the ranking officer texting on the ship. And he's like, I want to give you the opportunity right now to take command if you'd like to. And, and Bridger's just like, no way, dude. Not interested. Not going to happen. And Bridger's like, okay, well, I will keep command now. We're going to go there and we're going to have to fight this ship and do that. And Bridger's immediately like, I don't like your plan. I don't like it. I'm like, he just offered you the command and you said you didn't want it. Now you're going to second guess everything he says like the second you turn it down. Luke, the point is, in the one scene, he's wearing his, like, casual outfit, which is, like, an open shirt with his, like, old man glasses hanging around his neck. But as soon as he puts on his turtleneck jumpsuit, you know it's serious. Nathan's in. It was so annoying to me. It was just so annoying that he's just like, you want to command? He's like, absolutely not. Not at all. He's like, all right, well, I guess I'll have to make some decisions. He's like, I, I disagree with all your decisions. I'm like, well, then just take command, Nathan. Don't don't do this. Well, again, it's I think to my point, it didn't annoy me so much, but it was I felt like they added it that sort of um, refusal, uh, maybe a beat too many times. Whereas like we know he's going to take command, so it just starts getting sillier and sillier the further along we get. And it didn't annoy me as much as it annoyed you, but it was just like just get him in his turtleneck. Let's get him going. Let's get it over with. We all yeah. know where this is headed. <laughs> exactly. At any rate, as they approach this sort of Delta sub. All these Sequest systems start to crash due to a computer virus that was buried deep inside of its systems. Yeah. Well, and again, this is sort of like they've set up that that the Sequest uh, is so big and powerful that it clearly would overpower this other sort of pirate ship. So they need to uh, cripple it in some way. And that's what happens. It's basically like its defense defense mechanisms are not in order. Its um, uh, munitions are not in order. So they're basically just a floating floating target. Yeah, yeah, and as the Delta Force starts firing on them and landing a few hits, this is the moment when Commander Ford, as we mentioned earlier, he he freezes up under the pressure. Like, it's just too much pressure. He doesn't know what to do. And Bridger is finally forced to take command of the Sequest. So what we've been waiting for the entire episode, he's forced to take command of the Sequest, and he basically has the Sequest dive so it gets so deep into the ocean that the Delta Force collapse depth is too high he's basically the pirate ship can't go down and follow them far enough down so that's how they escape yeah i was kind of hoping they'd go down so uh low that that pool that the dolphin is in it just like its head explodes and he's like oh i I didn't think about that (laughs) and because these bad guys are just like i think you you nailed on the head they're like steven seagal level bad guys is we keep getting cutaways to the ship but they're just like and i guess this is where the sun comes in the sun's just like Captain Stark, uh, they're not firing back because they're crippled. Just shoot some more torpedoes. And she's like, no, I want to make them sweat a little more. It's like, they're diving. They're diving. We need to shoot them before they get too far down. He's like, no, I want to make them feel like they're trapped down there. I could easily destroy them at any moment, which is my job, but I'm going to drag this out for no apparent reason. Yeah, she's a classic, like, uh, uh, like cartoon villain. Like, she's Skeletor or something. It's like, just, just do it now. It's like, no... I want to make them wait. It's like, you could cut Batman's head off right now. It's like, no, I think I'll tie him up and hang him over this pit of water. It's like, okay. Yeah, it was so funny. I'm just like, all right, I get it. You guys did not want to write this pilot. I got it. (laughs) See, I don't think it's so much of that. I think it's, again, it's where their focus was, was I think it was, we're going to introduce this cool ship and we're going to introduce this dolphin and we're going to introduce Roy Scheider and all these characters oh, and they need to do something this episode? Oh, I don't know. We'll just throw in some quick villains. I think it's more that than than laziness. I think it's just like they th- this. there's not enough content to warrant 
the hour and a half that they have, but they want this to be a big, spectacular pilot. So they're like, well, we'll just spend the first 45 minutes walking around the ship introducing stuff. Whereas you could have cut that down to a tighter 45. And I think not that the villains would have got better, but I think there would have been maybe more of a sense of propulsion of this plot. Right, right, right. At any rate, well, after they escape, Ford takes Bridger aside and he reveals to Bridger that Admiral (laughs) Noyce, he knew all about a rebel sub that had been down in the ocean doing these things this whole time. And the entire plan was to bring Bridger down here because they knew they'd bump into the sub and then that would make Bridger take command. But it's gone sideways because they didn't expect to, like, get beat by the sub. So somehow... The bad guy's secret plan to destroy Sequest was also known by Admiral Noyce, who is planning to use it to get Bridger to take command of the Sequest. Yeah, my note was, that makes no sense. I, not a fucking ounce of sense. <laughs> I know. It's Again, It's there's too many beats. It's just like, you didn't need to have uh, Ford have to act poorly to make Nathan take command if you also knew there was a ship under the ocean that was going to make him make command that you somehow know about that could stop, I guess, if you know about it, but you're going to wait because you're just looking to make a captain of a new ship. It's just like, uh, okay, sure. See, a lot of this stuff, and, and maybe this is fair, maybe it's not. I was just like, okay, sure. Let's just Let's just allow this to keep it going. And I just, it was like, this is just, it's, it's, six o'clock tv logic so it didn't really bother me it it didn't make sense but i was like whatever they want nathan to be uh in charge of the ship they're just for me it's just it's too many beats and so it it, they sort of are tying themselves up in knots for no reason yeah and it's like what's the point too it's like so bridger now knows this was all a scam to get him to take command he still takes command he does not like it causes him to really question it at all yeah i don't know why it's maybe it's a little bit of like you can't trust the bureaucracy i don't know i don't know what message we're supposed to get from it at any rate the delta four leaves because it's not going to wait for sequest to surface which it usually could do but it's not going to it has to leave it's got (laughs) it's got other things it's going to plan to do and basically bridger and the sequest gives a chance them to lick their wounds and um what we find out is that a bunch of their systems were bricked because of this computer virus and uh they're surprised to learn that the computer virus wasn't a quote organic computer virus which I was just like, what, or, organic computer virus? I mean, putting aside the concept that it's not an organic system. Let's just ignore that for a second. I knew, by the way, I in knew you were going to get frustrated with this. A computer just gets a cold. It just gets a cold at random. It's fine. That's what computer viruses are. It's it. They're, they're like sort of techno babbles is not very good. Um, and it just is funny that they say the thing. What I liked better than this was when he uh, uh, old uh, uh, pretty boy Lucas. Lucas is his name, right? That's right. Lucas, I think. Um, when he's sort of talking about this uh, this man-made virus, he's like, "Oh, and they've and they've put like uh, uh, attack dogs around it." And what I liked about that was the attack dogs act like of some sort of coded protection system, so you can't access the virus. The way they are like, "Well, we have to have the audience understand what I mean." Let's just have dog noises. So the dogs are barking. You could just hear the computer barking when he's trying to find the virus. And it made me laugh and laugh. Yeah, it's a MIDI sound effect of dogs barking. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. I was like, there's a point. And they're able to figure out that this virus was planted so deep in the systems by old Captain Stark, <laughs> old evil Captain Stark, who had planned this. I mean, here's my question. It's like, did she put this in <laughs> while she was still in command? Because after she was relieved of duty, how would she have done this? 
I think she, she did it on her way out. But they wouldn't. It would never have happened. She was relieved of duty. She wouldn't have access to the system. She uh um she did it the day before. So she had planned this. <laughs> she knew at some point she was going to have yeah. to destroy the sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's it, you know it's funny because they do this so that Nathan knows it's her and he's like oh i used to teach her and uh the teachers become the students or something and i was like but it's there's no purpose of there's no reason for any of this because it's not like he's like oh i know that she always does this thus i'm going to do the other decision it doesn't really work that way at all but it's like why did she have to be a student of his why did he have to be connected some they were just like it won't make sense for her to be angry at sequest enough so she's also angry at nathan for reasons well that's what's so crazy it's like listen they go through this whole thing the old captain did it when did she do it don't worry about it even though it doesn't make any sense and then as yeah. soon as they finish that, they're just like, and I, Nathan's just like, I used to teach her. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? Who cares? What does that matter? And you know what? Does it matter? Like, he says it like that. I love how angry you are. Well, he says it like that. And I'm just like, she, he doesn't even, <laughs> she doesn't even know you're on the ship. And like, at some point, like they get on a com, uh, communication yeah. together and she's just like, oh, Nathan, I didn't know you were there. I'm like, yeah, no, none of this matters. He's just like, she's they get on a computer. She's like, well, my old student. She's like, what? Bridger, what are you doing there? What they should have had is that when they did that that screen and they like call each other and he's like, well, well, well. And she's like, who are you? He's like, I'm your old teacher. And she's like, I don't remember you at all. That's what they should have done. It's much funnier. I do like when they do finally get in that phone call and she's just like, Bridger, what are you doing on the sequence? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stop you. She's just like, you won't. I know you're impotent. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> that's true so she said she said you're impotent you're impotent physically and like in your in your decisions or something to that effect it's so weird <laughs> it's so weird yeah it is funny though to be the characters <laughs> imagine everyone's in the room and they're having this like real stand-up she's like i also know you can't get it up and it's just like silent on the crew and he's like no, no no that's not it i i get very firm erections <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite elderly. Leave me alone. <laughs> Just ask Darwin. <laughs> no suit. Skin. <laughs> oh. See, you know what's funny, Luke? I'll just stop real quick. I know this is bothering you, and it's funny because we just came off a show where we are, I think our roles were reversed because I was just furious with Forever Night. All this just made me laugh, and I thought it was so fun and silly. And I was just like, sure. Sure, he's also a teacher. Let's do it. <laughs> Anyway, there's also another problem they have. The power station is built on a volcanic vent. That's how it's drawing power. Yeah. And the venting cap on the station that's above the, I guess, the volcanic vent, it's tearing. And if they don't fix it, poisonous gas will break out and spill into the ocean and just kill all life for, like, hundreds of kilometers around the power station. So this is the other problem they have to deal with in addition to the broken ship and the uh, Delta Force sub that's out there trying to get them. We've kind of got, like, all these problems mounting. Well, it's actually one more, too. It's not only that the ship is, uh, uh, the pirate ship is attacking them. The pirate ship has also sailed away to attack a, like, underwater farming community. Yeah, so they're going to call about like, that very shortly. Yeah, so, so basically it's just up the tension again. I actually think, again, more than is needed because I think it's already enough that you have this problem with the ship and there's this threat of attacking you as soon as you come up but they're like you know what we should also do we're going to attack this farming community and, and the reason i say it's too much is because 
you're left with that thing like Nathan what do you do what's the decision you know he has to show he's a real captain but like there's no reason why they couldn't have in the time it takes him to make his decision and you know solve one problem they could have just destroyed the entire farming community they should just kept shooting it over and over and over and they're like well you made your decision you let all these people die because you you know you did the other thing but they they sort of like no no he can do everything yeah i mean you're not wrong though the idea is his back's up against the wall and it's it's where he can get the chance to like come up with a solution and his solution is like they can't fix this computer virus that's working their systems so they're gonna have to just work around it and it leads to like a montage that's kind of fun in that we get to see like the weird technology the sequest is built out of so we're seeing like tubes full of goo that they're cutting open and <laughs> spilling goo on the floor yeah i he, like it. opens up a panel and there's like clear plastic pogs that i think are supposed to be computer programs he's pulling out <laughs> yeah their their system runs on like on like coffee coasters i loved it <laughs> it's quite the technology they've got on this show but at any rate they do all these workarounds they get the ship ready to go they're getting these calls about the uh, about the farming community under attack. And they're like, all right, let's do it. Let's go get the Delta Force sub. And I was like, but what about that venting cap that was tearing? And they're like, oh, we're not talking about that anymore. I guess we poisoned the ocean. Bye. <laughs> it is funny. I thought maybe I missed it because they were just like, that's solved. I was like, oh, is it? Did you solve it? They didn't even mention it again. They just said, this is going to happen. It's going to destroy all life under the ocean. And they're like, well, let's go. I'm like... Yeah, what? Because Nathan makes a big deal about how it's like, we need to solve this problem first or it's going to be worse for everyone. I'm like, okay, well, do that. And he just was like, no, never mind. I think they solved it off camera. I think they fixed it, Luke. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm so, we're sorry we brought it up. <laughs> I loved it. It's such a mess. It's such a mess. <laughs> but yes, they go. They confront the captain, uh, Captain Stark uh, of the Delta Force sub. And they're like, stand down, stop attacking the sea community. But, you know, as we know, Sequest is still in bad shape. They only have one missile they can fire, and they have no ability to, like, track it. Like, they can shoot it, but they have no, like, tar- targeting system for it. So they can just shoot it and hope they, they hit, the, hit the sub. But thankfully, they do have Darwin the Dolphin. That's right. And, uh, and I think the point of this is, they sort of can't find the ships because their technology isn't right, quite working properly. So they go, well, what if we put a sort of homing beacon on the the dolphin, have it swim, find the boat, stick it to the boat, thus we'll know where they are and we can target. That's the plan, right? Yeah, essentially. They, their target system is down, so if Darwin puts on a scuba suit so he can breathe underwater... <laughs> yeah. And it's a robot, so don't worry. It's, don't worry. It, you can't. It has no soul. You can. You can do anything you want to it. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no problem. No ethical <laughs> issues at all. <laughs> and dolphin, dolphin the Darwin, Darwin the dolphin's gonna swim out there. He like yeah. uses a little his little bottle nose, and he attaches the little homing device to the side of the submarine, and then swims away. And then they just shoot their uh, old torpedo at the tube, hones in on that thing he attached to the ship. They shoot and destroy the Delta Four. They all have to abandon ship. I guess Sequest like collects some of the survivors, but where there's like Captain Stark, she escaped on a mini sub, so I'm sure she'll be back to give us trouble another day. And I was like, no, I don't think she will be. I doubt you'll see that character again. No, I thought the same thing. It was weird that they were like, we saved a few people. I was like, why even bother saying that? You could you could even just said like never mentioned it and then later if you wanted her to come back she'd be like yeah i escaped i'd be like okay fair enough it was weird they had that like we saved some people I'm like well, why even tell us who cares it's because they wanted to let us know that captain stark the evil captain was still out there somewhere I'm like there's zero chance of you bringing this character back <laughs> 
she's so far under the water she swam away and then they cut to this is what you said they cut to the bad guy like shen and there's like some guy walks in, he's like the, the, the samsung uh, your son was on it's just like huh okay maybe i'll be back in another episode i'm like you won't be don't worry about it i loved it it made me laugh and laugh because i didn't remember who he was because again he hasn't been on screen in about 45 minutes at any rate, this all leads to the final scene of the episode in Bridger's birth. He's still hemming and hawing about whether he's going to take command permanently of the Saw of Sequest. This has been the whole premise of the episode. And yeah. he scanned his dead wife's photo into the hologram so he can look <laughs> at her. Yeah. And the kid genius Lucas drops by to congratulate Bridger on a job well done. And, you know, also to say, hey, who's that hottie? Who's that hottie? Your dead wife? She's so hot. <laughs> Yeah, that was weird, right? He's like, she's real beautiful. He's like, I know. I was like, I'd be like, uh, she's dead, man. It's kind of inappropriate. <laughs> How'd you Makes get really her, sad. man? You're so much older than she is. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's his real wife, you know. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, she stands in for uh, for that all like throughout the series. Oh, that's sweet then. And it's kind of nice. And they discuss Bridger's dilemma. He made a promise to his wife not to be involved in the Navy after their son died. But in the course of the adventure he's been on, he's come to recognize his best self is like underwater as a commander. Like that's where he's his best self. So he's kind of torn. It's like he made this promise, but also he's seeing like he has a place here. He's got a purpose. And Lucas tells him a story that will help him make his decision. (laughs) He tells Bridger that his parents hate each other. They fight all the time, but they refuse to get a divorce because they got married, and marriage is a promise you have to keep. So you see, Captain Bridger, promises are dumb. Yeah, I love it. It basically is he's like, he's like, I made this promise to like my wife who died that I wouldn't do this thing. And, and then Luke is like, yeah, well, what about this? Things change. And he's like, you know what? You convinced me. It, I loved it. I thought it was so funny because it was... It was very much like what you would get at the end of, uh, and I think we probably are going to talk about Star Trek Next Generation a lot in this, is that it's this sort of moral dilemma that when that show was kind of firing in all cylinders, you know, the fourth, fifth season, they did very, very well, which was this, these conversations, and there's sort of this nuance to these these moral quandaries we find ourselves in and, and what is humanity and what should we should be doing. And it it should be that sort of conversation, but it just doesn't work at all so it's just like he's like yeah i don't know what if what if you didn't promise it he's like you know what kid you're right i was like okay sure (laughs) yeah i know it's so wild just like such a wild way to end that dilemma which had been solved i felt like already i didn't think he wasn't gonna take command of that but it was like i promised my dead wife something it's like my parents hit each other what why they thought it needed so many beats when it really it would have been like a little bit jarring to have him like push up so much and then the first time he becomes captain he becomes captain but they do it so many times it's like he every single time he's talked to him he's like i'm not gonna be captain i'm like well you're just a hypocrite now nathan yeah it's so weird it's so weird but that's that's the end of the episode bridger is gonna take command of sequest yeah series can finally take off yeah yeah and, and again i i know i'm gonna give it a higher score than you i know i'm gonna be more forgiving i think pilots there's like room to grow there's there's time to learn oh there's room to grow my friend yeah so much yeah and and i think i think there's potential in the show i know a little bit about the history of the show and what sort of happens and the changes that are going to happen in these episodes and seasons i think there's a opportunity that the world presents i think it's not 
the space that they want it to be, you know, literally not space. But I think there's some interesting ideas you can play with here. Whether they're going to go in those directions, I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. Well, before we get into ratings, Jordan, uh, you want to hear a little trivia about this episode? I would love to. This was the final directing credit for director Irvin Kreshner, who directed Empire Strikes Back, Never Say Never Again, and RoboCop 2. Wow. Some of that's okay. His final final show, his final directing. Never Say Never Again, that was the Sean Connery uh, unofficial Bond. RoboCop 2 is the one where... um, they decide it was a great idea to uh, for the next RoboCop to put a drug dealer's brain in it. I remember. Cinema classic. I don't think I've ever seen RoboCop 2. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. You know what's worse than it? RoboCop 3. Oh, something to look forward to. <laughs> All right, Jordan. You know, should we get into ratings? Yeah. And again, uh, I, I'm gonna, look, I'll am i tell you right off that. I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. Is it a 7? I don't know. I had a good time. I'm hopeful for the show. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that I'm going to just kind of turn my brain off and just have a fun time under the ocean in these adventures. I'm not sure if that's what the show is going to be. So in that sense, I'm just sort of, I think it's kind of fun and I'm hoping it's going to stay fun. I think if it gets too bogged down and being serious, it will lose me or if it gets too zany, but if it could kind of, you know, uh, thread that needle, I think I'll have a good time. So I'm going to give it a seven. I thought it was a funny little pilot. It's funny. I kept thinking about the sliders pilot as I watched this, which is like, I did too. A pilot that was rewritten quite clearly a lot and was like a very tightly paced and like plotted two hour movie for TV basically. Mm -hmm. And watching this, I was just like, (laughs) this is the most mercenary, like some boardroom people sat down and said, we need Star Trek, the next generation, give us all the same characters. Uh, It's going to be under the water this time. And we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what it's about. So I guess there's these two bad guys. I don't know. They're like not very thought through. We want like they knew understood plot the plot points they wanted, had no idea how to integrate them, did not understand the world they all existed in and just kind of like forced someone to write it and just be like, hopefully this is a TV show. And it's not. Uh, it's a three. Oh, wow. This watching this, I was just like, this is awful this is like such corporate nothing hmm see i i i don't i don't even know if i i don't really disagree with that i just think i don't know i just didn't take it so seriously i just thought this is just a fun thing that's on tv to me it didn't feel like there was a person who created this who cared about it like it, it felt like hmm. nobody had this idea like it felt like someone rolled some dice in a room and this is what came out like it didn't feel like there was any passion behind it any thought behind it well, we'll see. I mean, I, sometimes it's hard to tell from a pilot. We kind of both felt differently about it. So I'm, I'm curious to know what the future episodes are. If it's going to have those same restraints like you feel, like it's going to be aimless. Or if it's going to be something where it's like an adventure uh, monster of the week. I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, I think it could get better. Like, it can't get worse anyway. But, hmm. like, it's just a pilot that's just, like, nobody asked for quite clearly and that, like, nobody really cared that much to make. But it's, like, it's people like Star Trek. Um, but, you know, theoretically, you should be able to do something with that going forward. I think maybe the just because nobody cared, it was hard to make the pilot of it because you have to introduce everything and you barely thought it through. But maybe hmm. once it gets into actual, like you know, standalone episodes, at least then you can put aside all that like weird junk and just be like, now we're just on adventures under the sea. That was the whole premise. Hmm. I don't know. But you, you did see that there was a dolphin character, right? Did you miss that? Yeah. That's what's getting three. 
<laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, but that's it. That's all for our first adventure with Sequest. I'm shocked by what I saw. Yeah, I'm. I again. I'm. Maybe I'm silly. I'm hopeful. I really am hopeful. And I and I've I've been burned many many times in the past by these shows. Uh, even you mentioned sliders. Sliders, the quality starts dropping real quick. I'm hoping this is a, a good first season. We'll see what happens. I like Roy Scheider, you know? I mean, here's the thing. Even that's a good example of sliders. That, like, at least with sliders, you can see somebody created it and felt passionate about it, even if they weren't able to execute. I just don't feel like anyone involved in Sequest is all that passionate about the idea. Like, it doesn't feel like a show that anyone had an idea for. They're just like, we need something that can go up against TNG. Maybe. Maybe you're right. I'm not sure. At any rate, we're doing something called bonus episodes for charity. So as we mentioned, we're doing only best of run of Sequest. We're not going to watch all the episodes. We're going to jump through a few, three a season. So we're going to miss a lot of episodes of Sequest. Hopefully we're going to watch the best ones, but we might not watch the best one that you think is the best. Yeah, and we talked off the air. I think uh, uh, this show is going to go through some big changes. So I think we're going to be like, like uh, uh, whipping our head back. Like, what just happened? Who's this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it's perpetually retooled <laughs> because yeah. it has no concept of what it is, <laughs> we're going to miss a lot of things. But if you, the listener, are just like, I really need these two for whatever reason to go back and cover one of these episodes. I think they'll enjoy it or I think they'll hate it and I want to see them suffer. Whatever your purposes are, we can't, you know, we don't know what you want. Mm-hmm. You can donate some money to uh, some charities that were selected by past guests, and we'll go back and watch an episode of your choosing from a show that either we're doing a best of run, so we've missed some of the episodes from that show, or some of the older shows we've watched where we've taken the escape pod and not finished the series, you know, like uh, Freaky Links or a, um, uh, what's another one we've skipped through? I'm sure there's quite a few, actually. Oh, uh, Misfits of Science, maybe. Oh, yeah, Misfits of Science. Yeah, yeah. You can get all the details on our website, continuingreg.podbean.com, or if you go to social media, there's links to the uh, bonus episodes for charities initiative there. But that's a way for you to uh, get yourself a little bonus episode and make a donation to charity. It's a win-win, really. There's no losses here. Um, But find out all about that by going there. And if you have any questions, you can email us at continuingreg at gmail.com, and we can explain uh, how it works and uh, answer any questions you have before you do your donations. Um, But that's, that's bonus episodes for charity. Other than that, you're going to go to our social media this week. We're going to have clips from Sequest. Obviously, there's robot dolphins. There's like early 90s CG. Uh, there's hologram mist men. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. There's a waterfall. Waterfall replica thing. <laughs> replica. Waterfall. What do you call it? Waterfall replica thing. <laughs> Forget I said anything. <laughs> you'll see that for sure. Yeah, you'll see the watercup replica. You can find that. At Continuum Drag is the handle. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But that wraps it up for this week. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week. How would the, uh, how would the dolphin say goodbye? What do we sound like? He's like, goodbye. That's a, that's a dolphin voice, right? I'm trying to think it through because you have to break all the senses down into like, snippets like, smooth, rocks. <laughs> like, that's how we talk. <laughs> Bye. Next yeah. week. See you. <laughs> that's it. There we go. I hate you, Jordan. (laughs) Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.